Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Well, welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and I am in the studio once again this week flying solo. Victor's got a lot going on. It's summertime. We got vacations. I'm traveling a bunch. Kids are getting ready to go back to school. Sports have started. So it's been a little crazy here lately trying to get matched up with Victor on a time that'll work for both of us. Hopefully that's going to happen next week. We're working on that right now. But for this week, you're stuck with me. So if you listen and we have a lot of listens, I know you're a glutton for punishment. (laughs) But no, seriously, it's great to be back in here putting together another episode, and I wanted to do one anyway, even though Victor couldn't be here. I, I I will always prefer Victor to be in here. I love him. He's my best friend, and it's so much more fun to do this alongside him. But in the weeks he can't be, I still feel like sometimes the Lord gives me something to share, and that's no different this week. I was at a men's retreat in uh, Boise, Idaho, actually north of there, in the North Fork Range of Mountains outside of Cascade, Idaho, and it was amazing. I was with the Diocese of Boise, Jay Wanicott, the Director of Evangelization there, is a great friend, and we sort of brainstormed this idea for a leadership summit in his area where I basically gave a restored parish mission talks and then gave two sessions on men's training and had a Q&A session, all that. We whitewater rafted. They got a beautiful camp they just bought and are renovating. They've called it the JP2 camp. And it's amazing. They got all kind of cabins and it's a big acreage and right there in the mountains. You got great rivers and whitewater rafts. It's just awesome. Like I'm I'm amazed at some of the places God takes me to 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 share his love and and to do this work. But so I want to say thank you to those men and to Jay for bringing me out. But at the end of the weekend, you know, I had an opportunity there to share with them Isaiah 61. And to me, that's what our faith is all about. And that's what this episode is about. And we're going to get into more of that in just a minute. But yeah, this is a great opportunity this weekend to go and share that with those men. It inspired me to do this episode today. I know I'm going to be going back up there and doing more work. There were guys that were knights there that wanted me to bring me back, Knights of Columbus, guys who were running other ministries that wanted to revamp them. And folks, young men too, that wanted to get something going for younger men or men that just had nothing going in their parish and wanted to figure out how. All the way from Washington State, Oregon, all through Idaho, it was just a great, great crowd of great men. I was happy to be there with them. And that's the thing. That's what we're continuing to do each and every week. The week before, we were in Jacksonville. You know, we had a great parish mission there. The, the devil tried to put a, the kibosh on it by messing up my flights. I think I spent 20 hours in the airport uh, two weeks ago. It was crazy. But we had to actually move the Friday night of the mission to Saturday and do it all in one day because uh, the flights you know, got me delayed until 10 o'clock that night. But it was an amazing thing that happened. I worked with those men for six months to get ready for this restored parish mission. Chris Miller, the director of religious education there, worked with me. He and Father saw me on Pints of Aquinas and said, we want to bring this guy in. And they had a bunch of different ministries there, five or six different, some young guys, some older guys, service stuff, worship stuff, but it was all fractured and guys were doing stuff kind of in their little um, group, in their little own organizational groups. And the parish really wanted men to come together. And, and so did the leaders of those groups. They desired that. And they wanted a way to do that. So they worked with us. And one of the things we asked them to do is before I ever get there to have a three-month schedule of the four pillars. So, you know, get your formation night ready, your fellowship night, your worship, your service night. Pick that night, pick the time, and have a three-month schedule starting the week after we're there for the mission. And boy, did they do that. They had a flyer ready. They were ready to go. And here's the results. I want to read you an email I got from one of the leaders. He said, Dear John, the Holy Spirit has blessed us tonight 
I'm absolutely overwhelmed at the turnout. 46 men, young and old, in addition to our leadership team, showed up tonight for our new men's ministry kickoff featuring the Fellowship Pillar. I knew it was a success when I had trouble hearing the men sitting next to me due to the sound of all the conversations going on at the same time. Praise God. Nearly all the men who showed up to the men's training were in attendance. Many, many new faces came after hearing from their brothers in Christ about the new ministry. My mind is still racing as I try to process what just happened. Tonight was proof positive that there are men in need, in search of something more than what this world has to offer. A new brother, Matthew, came up to me after dinner and told me about a street he drives down on his way to work that is lined with homeless veterans. Almost to tears, he asked if we could help him, help them. He, I said, you bet. You know we will. Brother after brother, story after story, tonight we were shown the potential of what God-fearing men could do together. A lot of excitement right now. Thank you for answering your call to follow our Lord's will for your life. Thank you for inspiring this movement and planting a seed in our parish. Prayers for more Mondays full of God's grace and mercy. And he sent me pictures of like a, a incredibly packed room full of guys that are excited about having this in their parish now. Folks, that's what this ministry is about. Building a place where men can help each other, where they can find love and, and, and authentic friendship with Jesus and each other, and where they can go out and serve others the way they're already desiring to do for those homeless men that are lining that street that the guy drives down on the way to work. This is what it's about. Healing, restoration, building field hospitals in the parishes where men can go and find this. Be healed, be restored, and then go and help others do the same. So if you want that in your parish, guess what? There's another opportunity to come and see what we're doing. We're going to Transfiguration Parish in Marietta, Georgia, August the 11th to 12th. So in a couple of weeks, they've already got over 300 people registered for this. They've got t-shirts made. They've got a registration website. I've been on radio stations down there through them. It's going to be an amazing event. And it's for men and women. All of our missions are for men and women because everybody needs to hear this message. But we're going to go there and give our restored parish mission, and then we're going to do our men's group training and launch. And the same thing is going to happen there that happened in Jacksonville because it does each and every time when the men are on board, when they find the team, and everybody's bought into the process, fruit is born that will last. So if you're interested in that, come to, to Transfiguration in Marietta or just go to our website at justagonthepew.com and sign up. The whole homepage now is dedicated to men's ministry. It is easier than ever to fill out a form and find out how you can bring it, uh, bring us to your area. You're going to get in touch with Lindy, our new event coordinator. She's going to reach out to you. Or if she's covered up at the moment, I'll reach out to you. One of us will get to you. But either way, we're going to figure out what your need is, how we can help if you need one restored, revitalized, or you just need to start a new one. We can help you with all of that and help you build a place where men can find that healing and restoration we're all looking for so you can go out and help other men do the same. So you can, again, you can sign up for that at justagonthepew.com or come to our next event at Transfiguration in Marietta, Georgia. Finally, I want to say thank you to all our donors. All that I just shared with you, the fruit that's happening, is because of you. We couldn't do it just on the missions alone. If we, we can't charge enough to be able to cover the expenses, and I don't want to. Because I want this to be accessible for parishes. I don't want to charge so much that nobody can afford it. Like, what's the point of that? So to be able to, to cover the shortfalls of that, we need monthly supporters. So we could put the money back into hiring great people like Lindy Meyer, the event coordinator we just hired, that's going to make this more of a, of a better process for the parish. And it's going to make us 
have the 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 open opportunities of time now to be able to work with more parishes to get more of these on the calendar. That's what you're doing. Helping us build our team, helping us go out and get better at what we do each and every week with the resources you provide through your monthly donations. So thank you to the donors. And for any of you out there that have heard us on a on a on this podcast, if this podcast has changed your life, if you've seen us at a men's conference, if you've been part of one of the missions or or one of the men's groups we've launched or seen us on something then please consider becoming a monthly supporter. You can do so by going to justaguyinthepew.com. There's a button that says support in the upper right corner, or you can go directly to www.donorbox.org slash pew. That's www.donorbox.org slash pew, P-E-W. Or again, go to the website and look for the support button. At $5, $10, $25, $100, $500, whatever it is, it, every bit of it helps. And you could do it easily and monthly online, or you can send a check. That information's on there too. But either way, I just want to ask every episode because I see the work the Lord is doing, the fruit it's bearing, and we need your help to continue to move forward doing it to grow our team and get better at it each and every opportunity we have to go and work for the Lord. So thank you for listening to that. I know it always takes a minute here in the beginning. You're kind to listen to it. And, and thank you for giving the time for me to share that with you. All right, so I talked about that mission, or not mission, but the Leadership Summit in Idaho. It was a great time. And on the last day, I had an opportunity to have a Q&A and answer any questions guys had, give some final thoughts. And as I was answering questions about this and looking in forward to all the opportunities that I know will come out of that summit and the desire of men's hearts to get better at what they do or to start something new, I, I just felt like the Lord... You know, I was like, how am I going to close? What am I going to say? I always have notes and I'm prepared. But every single time I go somewhere, the Lord leads me in a different direction. I really believe that Jesus meant what he said when he says, do not worry about what you're to say. You know, just show up. And every time I do that, he leads me to a new place and takes me in a new direction that helps the individual place I'm at in the way they need to be helped. It's just such a cool thing to witness. But that morning, the Lord told me as I close, he's like, read Isaiah 61. And... Most of you are probably familiar with that. We've talked about it here before. It's Isaiah's prophecy about Jesus, right? He's, he's, he's basically speaking in the voice of Jesus about what he's coming for. And I thought, Lord, why do you want me to read that? And he kept telling me, he's told me this for a while now. And I read this to myself every time before I speak or I do a podcast or anything where I'm getting up to do the Lord's work. I read this and I'm trying to get it memorized so I don't have to have my, you know, they're right in front of me and I can just say it. Because I believe this isn't just a prophecy about Jesus. It's a prophecy about who we're supposed to be. Like, this is what it's all about. That's what this episode is called, what it's all about. And everything that our faith at its core is about is right here in Isaiah 61. Let me read it to you, and then we'll talk about why. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and to comfort all who mourn. Like right now in here, it's hot because I forgot to turn on the air conditioning, but I have goosebumps and the hair on my arms are standing up because my brothers and sisters, at its core, the Christian faith, Catholicism, is all about this. We've talked the last several weeks about how we can get distracted by the things of the world or are fighting and fighting over the things of what's more Catholic, what's not more Catholic, you know, getting caught up in the drama of the faith sometimes or what the Pope said and all that. But the core of our faith, this is it. This is what Jesus came to do. And this is what he calls you and I, each and every one of us to do. This is it. This is it. Like 
This is the core of the faith. And when you see it, it's like, it is so simple. Like all the stuff we have in the beauty of Catholicism, the devotions, the prayers, mass, all this stuff is to drive us back to this point. The point of what Jesus came to be and to do for us and what he is asking us to be and do for others. This is the core of the gospel. This is the kerygma, right? We've talked about that so much that, that God made heaven on earth for us and then we screwed it up. Sin and death came in the world. We made the wrong choice. We were, we were severed from that relationship, that, that, that relationship with God. And he so desired it back that he chased us all throughout the Old Testament, making covenant after covenant that we broke. And finally, he sent his son who desired to take our place, who died on the cross for our sins, who wants to give us the Holy Spirit and call us into discipleship of him so that we can go out and free other people. Jesus has freed you and I, or he's in the process of that right now. That's why you're listening to this, because you want to grow closer to him, or you're at that point of your faith where you're like, there's got to be something more. I'm trying to figure out what it is, and the Lord has led you here to this present moment. To understand what he was about. This is what he was about. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the opening of the prison, to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all who mourn. That, in a nutshell, is who Jesus Christ was, is, and what he came to do. It's why you and I are listening to this right now, because he has done that for people thousands of years ago who have then turned around and gone what he's done and gone and done what he's asked them to do. And the next generation is here, and the next generation, the next generation, and guess what? The next generation to do that for others is you and me. This is what our faith is all about right here. This is the core and the center of the gospel. It's what it's all about. It's the key to what we long for, right? I mean, how many times do we talk about this where we're going to Mass and we're doing all the things that, that we're, we're, we're supposed to do as Catholics? We're checking all those Catholic boxes, adoration, rosaries, men's groups, Knights of Columbus, women's groups, you know, all this other stuff, service items, all of that. We're checking all those boxes, but so many times we still feel like something is missing. There's, there's a longing there. We feel like it's not enough. And my brothers and sisters, I've shared it on here before, and I'll share it again, that a lot of times we can get caught up checking boxes and going through the motions and we forget what we're really called to do. It's not about just going to Mass. It's not just about saying this, this set of prayers or this specific prayer every single day. It's about bringing good tidings to the afflicted. It's about binding up the brokenhearted, about opening the prison cells of those who are bound. It's about bringing comfort to those who mourn. And my God, we are in a time where there's more people in those places than ever before. Just look at how many people are, are slaves to addictions. How many people are bound up by their pride, by their anger, by their unforgiveness. How many people are caught up in opioids and loneliness and isolation and depression. And our churches are supposed to be field hospitals for this. They're not supposed to just go be pretty places where we go in our little group of brothers and sisters and sit inside and do our Jesus thing with just us. We're called to, to minister to the people in that place because believe me, my friends, fellow Christians, our churches are full of people in this very spot that are broken and bound up still. Even though they look great on the outside, they're a mess inside. I know because that was me. And some days that continues to be me. But there are so many more that are outside those walls too. And this is what Jesus came for, for the sinners. 
right, for the afflicted. And that's what he, he is begging us to do. That's what it means to go into all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. To tell them about him and to introduce him to the person of Jesus Christ so he can meet him in all his mercy and his love and his glory. They can come into a relationship with him. Their life could be changed. They could find healing in their places of hurt and those wounds and be restored and then turn around and go back to strengthen their brothers and sisters and give the same gift that was given to them. That's what we're called here for. Healing and restoration is what the Christian life is all about. It's the process of our own salvation and the salvation of others. That's it. It's not about just doing the things that we do to get along in our Christian life. It's about going back, realizing what has been done, striving with everything we have in our body each and every day to grow in our knowledge and our relationship with Jesus Christ so he can better inform us of who he is, so we can be informed through that of who we are, and then we can go out and do these things he has asked us to do. And we see it played out in the Gospels. Right? And that's what I love about the living Word of God. We, we get our marching orders here in Isaiah 61, and then we see Jesus go and live them out because he is the model. He is the example. That's why I'm always saying we got to read Scripture. If you want to know Jesus, pick up his autobiography. Right, Read about the man because this is where you come to know him, through Scripture, through the sacraments, through the liturgical life of the church, through prayer. But in this place particular today, I want to show you examples. So I read through Isaiah 61, but let's go to Matthew 9, 27, right? Matthew 9, 27, and this is where he heals the two blind men. And I want to read it really quickly. It's short. It's 9, 27, Matthew 9, 27, for those who want to follow along or go back and read this on your own later. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly charged them, See that no one knows it. But they went away and spread his fame through all the district. So look, we see here in the beginning of this of Isaiah 61, it says, I came to bring tidings to the afflicted. These men were afflicted. They were blind. right? And all they wanted was to see. They wanted their eyes to be open. So what did they do? They followed him and they cried out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus, see me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm afflicted. How many of us are afflicted in our life right now? You want to know how to come out of it? Start crying out to Jesus. Have mercy on me, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. The way these men did. And what happened? Jesus looks at him and he says, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe I'm able to do this? And they say, yes, Lord. And then that's when he touched them and he healed them. He sat there and he brought tidings to the afflicted. He healed their afflictions. And what did they do? They went out and they told their entire district. They went out and they shared with everybody else, even though he implored them not to. That's what's happened. When you meet Jesus, when you really meet him, and he comes to you and he binds up your afflictions, he, he brings tidings to your afflictions, when he heals those places of wounding, when your life is forever changed because of him, you can't help but go tell other people about him. That's what Isaiah 61 is about. I've come to bring these good tidings to the afflicted. And we see it played out here. This is what Jesus wants to do in our life. We may not be blind, but I bet you, you got something going on with you. You're afflicted in some way. Even if you're the most converted person, we all have wounds. We all have issues. We all have repetitive sins. And Jesus is coming to you saying, do you believe I can do this? 
just like the paralytic at the pool, right? Do you want to be healed? It's always an invitation because this is what Jesus came to do, to invite us to healing and restoration because that's how we find our salvation and that's how the salvation of others comes to pass. Because Jesus says, you are my hands and feet. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. He has sent us out once we've been healed to turn back and strengthen our brothers, as I said in a previous episode, as he told to Peter. That's the call. And that's exactly what Isaiah 61 is calling us to do. And that's what the faith is about. Period. If we don't get this, we're never going to truly get why Jesus Christ came, why he matters, and what he wants to do for you and the rest of the world. Let's talk about another story in the Gospels. The woman at the well. And Dr. Bob Schutz, one of my best friends in the world. I love that man so much. I cannot even tell you. He is one of the greatest gifts in my life. I can't. I work with him often, and I can't wait to start doing some new projects with him next year. Share more about those later. But I want to talk to you about the woman at the well. And Bob talks about this in his book. He uses it in his smaller book, The 10-Day Retreat, Be Healed. But you can you go through that. It's amazing. But I recommend that everybody on here go through Dr. Bob Schutz's book, Be Healed. You can find it on Amazon, on the JP2 Healing Center's website, or on uh, Amazon or anywhere else that sells books. It, the man's got a gift, and he's amazing. But he talks about this, the woman at the well. And I want to share this, too. We all know the story, right? Jesus is has gone to Samaria. He's there at Jacob's well. The disciples have gone into town looking for food. Jesus is sitting there in the middle of the day, and this woman shows up in the heat of the day when nobody wants to be carrying you know water that long to a well and back. But she shows up because everybody else has basically cast her out. Why? Because she's been married five times. She's currently living with a woman, with a man uh, who she's not married to. And Jesus goes and he waits for her there. He's been waiting for this day, the day that he's been waiting for you, right? At some point in our life, there comes a day where Jesus is there to meet us, and he's been waiting and longing for that day all the time. It's not an accident when Jesus comes in our life, when it's there at rock bottom, or whether it's there on just a day where the, the tulips are, are blooming and the birds are chirping. Jesus has a, a four sight of the day that he's going to come into your life. And for this woman, it was that day. And she didn't know it. She showed up in her shame, in her brokenness, in her lies, and the mistakes she made in her life. And she was expecting just another terrible day, but she was met with the glory of healing and restoration. So this happens. It talks about how she comes here and, and he, it says, uh, she says, the Samaritan woman says to him, how is it said that you would you ask a drink of me? Because Jesus says to her, you know, give me a drink. And she responds, how are you saying this to me, a Jew? We're not supposed to be talking, paraphrasing. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? And isn't this funny because this is what we do. We doubt Jesus. Jesus shows up all the time in our life knocking on the door. Hey, I'm here to heal and restore you. What are you going to do? What do you have that's better than this or that or this? It's the same thing we do in our life. Everyone who drinks of this water, Jesus said to her, will never will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to her, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. So immediately she's asking and she's thinking of the worldly water. Like, whatever you have, give it to me. I hate this well. I don't want to come back here. I want what you're talking about. And what does Jesus do? First, he calls her out about what's been going on in her life. He said to her, go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. 
Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and him who you now live with, him you now live with, uh, now have, excuse me, let me read that slower. For you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. This you said truly. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Women, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So they go on to continue talking. And he says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So he's basically saying it doesn't matter. You just have to let God into your heart. You have to let me into your heart. I'm the Messiah. So he, that's what the woman says. I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ, when he comes, he will show us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At that moment, the disciples show back up and they're marveled and they're wondering, like, why is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman? Because he's not supposed to be, right? But they don't say anything to him. And so the woman left her water jar there and went away into the city and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went, then they all went out to the city and were coming to him. Here's the thing. Here's this woman. And Jesus, like I said, is waiting for this day. He's had it on his calendar for the day he's going to be at this well to meet this woman for the specific purpose of coming into her life to give her restoration and healing. When he starts sharing about what he's got, this eternal water that she'll never thirst again if she has, what happens? Give me this water. And what does he say? First, let's talk about you. And he starts to call her out about, you said you had a husband, but he's not really your husband, is he? You're living out of wedlock. You're not really married to him. And in fact, in fact you've been married five times. And he starts to call her out of her sin. And so she goes to talk about, well, we don't get to worship this way and tries to change the subject. And Jesus meets her in that place, talks about it doesn't matter where you're to worship, it's in the spirit, right? He talks about like soon, it won't be here or there, it will be everywhere is basically what he's saying. And he calls her into it. And then he said, the person you're looking for is me. The healing, the, the piece of your heart that's missing, it's me. And he says that to each and every one of us if we just open our ears and hear it. And what happens? She leaves that water, that stuff that she knows, knows will no longer be fulfilling to her. And she runs full speed back to the town telling everybody about the man that knew everything about her. And then what happened? All those people came out of the town going to Jesus. If you ever wonder how Jesus like all of a sudden started amassing these crowds of people that were following him everywhere, these 5,000 that want to be fed, it's because of this. He healed individuals and they went and told other people. He restored individuals and they went and they couldn't help but share it with other people. And people started following him and flocking to him. My brothers and sisters, that's what our faith is about. That's what Isaiah 61.1 is about. I'll give you another example. The final one here. We all know about the uh, Genesarene de demonic. I went there in the Holy Land. I've been to all these places we've talked about so far in the Holy Land. And here at this place, I was sitting there, I saw the cave where this demonic man would have been staying, where they chained him because he was terrorizing people, he was scaring people, he was screaming at people, he had a legion of demons in him. I was there on the cliff where the swine were believed to be and where Jesus cast all those legion of demons into and they ran off the cliff, you know, where they dove into the ocean. I was there in all those places. And it's out there away from the town and all this stuff, just in isolation. And how many people are in isolation? Right, again... There's two different stories that we've already talked about. We've talked about bringing tidings to the afflicted, 
through the two blind men, we talked about binding up the brokenhearted. That's the second part of Isaiah. And that's certainly what Jesus did for that woman at the well. He bound up her broken heart in her shame and her mistakes and her misgivings and her failures and her disgust with herself and her tired and anxiety and all of that stuff. He met her and he bound up her broken heart. She headed to town. Well, with this, this, uh, Genesaret, uh, demonic, I always say that wrong. It's hard to say, but this is the part of the prophecy there of Isaiah that's being fulfilled to proclaim liberty to the captives. This man was literally drug out, ta- out, out of town and chained into a cave. And he was so afflicted by demons, he was so bound up with things, this legion of demons, that he broke his chains, but he was still bound to that place, terrorizing people and being tormented. It said like the shepherds and all these people were frightened and afraid of him because of all the things that they saw him do and, and, and act out. So here's this man, and he comes up, and this is in Luke 8, where you can find this. And Jesus comes up and he starts, the demons know who he is. They beg him not to cast him out, you know, and to, to, to send him into the abyss. So he sends him into the swine. They run off the, the cliff and into the ocean. And then it says this man all of a sudden was basically miraculously, miraculously healed. It says, then people went out to see what had happened because the, the herdsmen that were there, the shepherds saw Jesus do this and they ran back to town to tell everybody. Then the townspeople went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus and they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. So all of a sudden Jesus shows up. He does what nobody else could do but him at that point. He cast out all this legion of demons and there's this man who who has been tortured and beaten himself and chained and afflicted so horribly that he was banished out of this town. And there he is sitting fully clothed in his right mind. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives and to open the prison to those who are bound. That's literally what Jesus did. He unbound this man from legion and unbound him from his chains and set him free. And then what happens? This happens. It says, the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. Meaning, Jesus cannot please be with you from now on. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Again, folks, in each one of these stories, Jesus has done something different. He's he's brought good tidings, glad tidings to the afflicted. He healed the blind man. He bound up the broken heart of the woman at the well. And when in this this demonic, this this man that was possessed, basically it's easier to say, by thousands or hundreds or whatever number of demons it was, a legion of demons, Jesus sets him free, right? He proclaims liberty to him, to his captivity, and he sets him free from his prison cell, the place where he was bound in that cave. And he restores him. And the man goes out as in every one of those cases and does the same for him, for everybody else. And I love that's what it says here in this one. Jesus says, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. This is what it's all about. Understanding this prophecy, yes, is about Jesus. Jesus goes and he shares this in the temple, the synagogue uh, in, in Nazareth. The last time he will ever go to his hometown, he goes and he boldly proclaims this and says, today in your presence, this prophecy has been fulfilled. And what did he get for it? The very people that knew him, that grew up with him, his family, his friends, grabbed him and tried to throw him off of a cliff, which I've stood on top of in the Holy Land again. That's why it's so amazing to go to pilgrimage. The wind was blowing so hard, you couldn't even hear anybody up there. You're looking down over this massive like cliff, this drop off over the battlefields of the Old Testament. And they had Jesus up there about to throw him off. And he walked through him. He passed through them. But the very people who knew him were ready to kill him because this is how important his mission was. And they didn't believe he was bound to do it, that he was made to do it, that he was the Messiah. 
You may not believe that you're bound to do this, but Jesus made you his hands and feet. He made you the light of the world, the salt of the earth when you were baptized and when you accepted the Holy Spirit at your confirmation. This is what our faith is about, is understanding that Jesus came to restore and to heal and that that's what you're called to do. You get to do this. Like, take your, put your mind around this for a minute. Like, how amazing is this one that you have messed up your life so much? All of us have. None of us have lived a perfect life. We have things we're ashamed of. I don't care if you're the most converted person on this podcast listening to it right now. You still have places of repetitive sin, of, of habitual sin, of woundedness in your life. Every single one of us do. If you have ever committed a sin, you have a wound in your life. And in the midst of that, Jesus came to do what he said to do in your life, to set you free, to heal your afflictions, to comfort all those who mourn. And now he's calling you to do the same. And my brothers and sisters, again, look around you. The world is full of people that need somebody to do this for them. And you are that somebody. People in your 10-foot radius, at your office, at your church, outside of your church, at the gym, and you're at the grocery store, everywhere around you, there are people that need Jesus and desperately inside, even though you can't see it, need that restoration and that healing to go and live the life that God has called them to live. I was once a broken cesspool inside that everybody on the outside thought I had the world by the tail and I didn't. I was a broken mess inside. And Jesus came and did something for me I could not do for myself. And now I get the great honor and pleasure and I pinch myself every single time I leave or every day in my life, even here in my own home or in my own hometown, that Jesus puts somebody in front of me to proclaim the good news, to bring them into healing so that they can live a restored life and become a disciple because that is what it's about. It's not about going to church and checking boxes. It's about believing with your whole heart that this is what Jesus came to do. He could do it for you and then believing that he wants more than anything for you to do it for somebody else and to do it again and again and again until you draw your last breath. That is what Catholicism is about. That is what it means to follow the way. That is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And yet here we are in the world, we're sitting here obsessed with superhero movies and going, man, it'd be cool if I could fly, if I could punch you know, through a wall, if I could throw somebody a mile and a half, if I could jump over a building, if I could shoot lasers out of my eye. Oh, why? Why? So I could save people, so I could be the hero. Well, guess what? Because of Jesus Christ, you can be. You could be a hero that lays down his own wants and life and everything else and picks up the wants and the life of Jesus Christ and goes out and lives it for someone else and becomes a true hero. Going and helping somebody find healing and restoration and pulling them out of the gutter that they are in is the greatest and most fulfilling superpower you could ever have. And every one of us has that ability. But you have to believe that Isaiah 61 is true first and foremost for who Jesus was and what he came to do, and that it's true for you, that you are who he says you are. I struggled with it in the beginning, but now I look forward to every opportunity to go and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, his love and his mercy and his grace and his desire for healing and restoration for people so that they could come into that knowledge and do the same for somebody else. That's what it's about. Living the Christian life the way we're called to gives you the superpower to change somebody else's life. It's amazing. It's the greatest thing I get to do in my life.
first and foremost for my wife and children, and then for everybody else through the grace of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives in me. When you're answering the call in this way, you are doing the same thing that Jesus did. And you're saying yes to the person that loves you more than anything. You have a right to do this through him. And you have the marching orders again in Isaiah 61. This is not only about Jesus, this is about you. And I want you to take this seriously. And as I read this one last time, believe it. Believe that this is who Jesus was and this is who you are called to be and who you can be. It's the greatest gift that you've ever been given and that you could ever give. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and to comfort all who mourn. My brothers and sisters, this is it. This is what it's all about. Jesus Christ came to heal you, to set you free, so that you can go and comfort those who mourn and proclaim liberty to captives. All you got to do is look around. All you got to do is care. All you got to do is believe that Jesus is who he says he is and you are who you, he says you are. This is the greatest privilege you'll ever have to serve in the capacity that the Lord is calling us all, every one of us to serve. It's time. Stop running. Stop hiding. Quit drawing back. Quit covering up those places of woundedness and invite Jesus to come into those places here and now. Let him undo the fingers of the hand that you have grasped around those places. Let him bring you into healing and restoration. And then believe and experience the joy of helping somebody else find the same. Healing and restoration is what the Christian life is about and it's what you're called to. My brothers and sisters, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider going to our website, bringing us to your area so we can help your men. Consider becoming a monthly donor on our website and consider sharing this with somebody else so that maybe they can find healing and restoration through it. Let's take it to prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, you came to heal us and set us free. This message is at the very center of our faith. Help us to lower our guard and let you into the places where we are afflicted, bound, and broken. And Jesus, after you have poured out your healing graces over us, give us the courage to go out and to be your instruments of healing for others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.